0: Hi, I'm Andre Eichmeyer, founder of Good Empire, and you're listening to Unconventional Business.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to HubSpot's Unconventional Business, a
0: show about how Australian and New Zealand brands are growing and winning by putting the customer experience first.
1: We're talking with leaders from our best homegrown brands about their journey, the decisions they made along the way, and their biggest learnings.
0: I'm James Gilbert.
1: And I'm Cat Wallboys, and we'll be your hosts this season.
0: Now let's get into the show.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Unconventional Business, the podcast. I'm Cat Warboys and I will be your host for this episode. Today I am joined by Andre Eichmeier, the founder of Good Empire. Andre, it is so great to have you with us today. Thank you for taking the time to join us.
0: Yeah, thanks for the invite, Cat.
1: No, all good. I, uh, I don't think we could have picked a better time to record this episode. Uh, it is being recorded on November 8th and the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference, also known as COP26, is currently taking place in Glasgow in Scotland, uh, where, of course, leaders from around the world have gathered to discuss and hopefully do something about some of the greatest issues uh, threatening our planet and people today. So for our listeners who are unfamiliar with Good Empire, it has been described as the TikTok for doing good. It's a global (laughs) impact platform that inspires and empowers and rewards individuals and organizations to unite and take action in what are called 17 missions, which are aligned with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. But before we learn more about those missions and those goals, Andre, I was hoping you could take us right back to the beginning, Uh, maybe even before Good Empire. uh, As some listeners might not know that you were the co-founder and CEO. Of Australian online wine retailer Vino Mofo, a brand we've also happened to have on the show by complete coincidence. Um, So, I guess the real question here is you know, how do you go from uh, wine to saving the world?
0: Yeah, I spent about the last 12 years building up Vino Mofo with my brother in law, Justin. And um, I think I left it three years ago. And I think I was a couple of things happening. One, I was getting more and more concerned by the state of the world and you know you think three years ago there was trump and i think tony abbott was in power in australia and you know boris johnson wasn't was being a bit of a nufty back then he seems to have stepped up at cop 26 but um so, so and i was i was feeling like we're all we all put a lot energy into you know, petitioning for policy change or striking. You know, I was rocking up to climate strikes um, in a few places around the world. I was signing every petition I could. I was making donations to organisations, but just didn't feel empowered. Um, didn't feel like I was doing anything. And I was also growing really aware of, like, my privilege. You know, and 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 my, I guess, abilities that I'd spent. You know, I I was. You know, I'd learnt some stuff. I was um, as as a CEO of being a Mofo, I had a reputation. I had connections. I had abilities, and and that combined with this privilege, I guess I was born into. And and um, you know, I thought, well, those of us that have the ability, we need to be building stuff in the world that's good. We need to be all all you know, um, taking on this the, the the bigger problems. Like we need to be figuring out solutions, and and you know. So it was a bit of an existential crisis. I was like, well, what am I going to do? What is my contribution to the world going to have been? You know, this, this great wine site, cool, it's nice, I like wine. Um, so do a lot of people or, you know, do I want to be able to say to my kids that I, you know, I was aware of what the state of the world and I didn't just sit by and continue to build my own thing. I, I, I tried to do something about
1: it. I think it's uh, something a lot of people are feeling the pressure of um, and sort of, not too sure what they can actually do about it. So, you know, for for someone who does have concerns, whether they are social or environmental, you know, prior to to a Good Empire, what what do you feel like were the current options available for somebody to take action? Like, what could I do if I if I was concerned about any of these of these topics?
0: Yeah, well, I think what most of us did was like activism, you know. And there are some great sites out there, like Global Citizen, phenomenal founders and communities. Um, doing stuff in that space, like, you know, lending pressure. And we need that pressure on the policymakers and the decision makers and the big business and the industry. Sure we do, but it's – you don't get a lot of wins, you know. So I think those of us that care about people and planet, we, you know, we, we either spend all this energy arguing with people that don't care or don't believe or don't, you know, um, and that burns – we have a limited amount of, of energy – to 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 put to this. So that burns it and then with what we have left not arguing with people that don't care. You know those of us who do care. I think we realize that there's enough of us to actually solve everything if we want. We can just let go of the people that don't want to contribute and and just go cool put our hand up and take. So then what do we do with that energy? We either petition for because we we feel disempowered, right? We feel we don't feel like anything we can do can actually make a difference. So we feel all all we can do is to um, to put weight of, of demand pressure on governments, largely, right? And look, when a government makes a policy change, it's a big win because it, it, a lot of people are forced a- along that, whether it's, you know, um, banning single-use plastics or setting carbon zero targets or whatever. But I was like, we're not five-year-olds. What are we sitting on our knees begging Someone like fucking Scott Morrison to, to tell us what our carbon zero target should be. Why can't we organize around that and set our own as as you know, intelligent, motivated, driven people? So that was one of the motivators behind good empire. And then like what else do we do? We donate. You know, there's a lot of there are enough great organizations doing what they can to solve hunger or poverty. Or you know, investing in innovation around carbon emissions, or or we can offset, or there's there's a lot of things we can do with our wallets. But again, think it's not connecting to the plight and the problem. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a guilt appeaser in, in ourselves, and and it is moderately empowering, but it's not empowering like when you actually get to go and do something. You know, like if you ever spoken with anyone that that's gone and you know gone over to you know, Bangladesh or somewhere in Africa and built a town hall or been involved in a training program for leaders in communities there and actually had two weeks of exposure to like something that's really helping, you know, get a community out of hunger. You stay connected with that for life, right? You don't drop it. It's like sponsoring a World Vision Child, right? You get get Christmas cards and, you know, little Nalandri from, you know, India has now gone to high school and she's doing well in science. You have that human connection. And so you do not stop that um, donation, that subscription every month—you stay with this until it's done. Until the child is, you know, I know no, we all know how it actually works in Well Vision. That's not the point. You really commit. You put your hand up and you go, "I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try and change this person's life." And I wanted us to be able to do that as collectives of people for any project, whether it's a reforestation project or an ocean cleanup project, or, or you know, getting a community out of hunger or poverty or whatever. Um, how can we do that at scale? How can we get people to both experience, to, to take action in a way, because another obstacle is that we, change is hard, right? And it's inconvenient mostly to, you know, we, we, and convenience has become such a, it's like crack to us. It's become somehow the most important value almost that, that drives most of our decision-making. And even, you know, in the startup world, we're all, hey, most businesses are just making something a little more convenient. And that's handy but when it's destructive like it's become um then we need to be able to you know I, i we with good empire wanted to be able to make less convenient things a little more attractive and a little easier to start and then we wanted to show people that their impact really could make a difference
1: yeah and i think you know a bit to summarise your point, you know, none of those options available to us are necessarily bad. You know, there's some great work being done there. You know, some of the biggest movements have happened because of activism. Um, you know, we do want to continue to donate, but they Holy. come with their flaws, right? Um, this is a really gnarly issue that I think people don't know how to solve necessarily. As to your point, in a very you know direct and impactful way, you know, if we are if we are um, doing it through activism, it's a very it feels like a very long term game, right? And then with the donations, what you hear from a lot of people is you know it gets questioned too much where that money goes, how much of that money goes. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm you know i a big fan of donating to um, good causes, but I think it comes under a lot of, um, you know, speculation as to where's my money going, how impactful is that? And so those options that are available definitely have their flaws and I feel like, you know, to your point, you know, there has to be a way that we can move quicker and at scale um, with some of these issues. And I think that brings us nicely into to good empire at last. So let's, uh, let's, let's, <laughs> Dive into that if you can in your own words. Uh, for someone who might not be familiar with Get Good Empire, tell us what it's all about.
0: Yeah, look, it's an it's an app and a platform that that you know empowers us to level up for people and planet to to take action through challenges that are a lot, that, that um, have impact toward one of our 17 impact goals, and they're just they're aligned with the Sustainable Development Goals. They're just like a linear, measurable. Um, Target within the Sustainable Development Goals are amazing because they are a great strategy for the world, but they're also broad and quite systems changey. A lot of them, so we wanted to take a slice of that. Like, cool. Well, you know, let's as a community, Good Empire, contribute to or commit to, you know, saving a million tons of CO two and getting um, planting a billion trees and getting a million people out of hunger. And so, so they're real, real targets that will be measured. And so we all have a sense of, all right, this is our contribution. We're going to do our bit. And to your point before, yeah, like activism is is so important and needs to continue. and so does, but, um, and so does, so do donations, but we wanted to make donations a bit more strategic, so you can sit there and go, well, here's the things I care about in the world, here's the impact I would like to have, here's the budget I have, Help me spend that in the right places to have that impact and feedback that impact to me. So look, yeah, you you know you're basically on the app as an individual user you' You join a challenge and the challenges, you know, ch- challenges have been around and are around. You know, there's push-up challenges and there's ice bucket challenges and, you know, um, half-cut challenges and they're all awesome. It's a bit like that, right, but we create and partner with to create challenges for everything, you know, um, challenges. That, and so, therefore, it makes doing something, taking action a bit fun, you know, it's something you kind of always wanted to secretly do anyway um, <laughs> and, and then atta- is attached in that impact is either through some challenges um, have the impact in of themselves because they're saving CO2 or they're saving plastic or whatever and others have a, a donation uh, attached to it and you can either make that donation or sometimes it'll be sponsored or your organization might match fund. Lots of different ways, but basically you do the action and you have the impact towards something and that opens up like a feedback channel or something. You're connected with that project through that impact partner and you get stories back and you can see the impact that you and the people that you did the challenge with Um, are having and you can stay connected with that until it's done and then you can move on to the next project and you can choose where you want to have impact in the world like if you care about gender equality great there'll be all these challenges and all these impact partners that are empowering women and girls you know aligned with our goal to empower one million women and girls through either education or job training or you know getting them out of child marriage or all of the ways right all of the ways that create equality so that's what it's about basically
1: Yeah, amazing. And I think, um, to your point, you know, you you didn't, you didn't set out to build a new strategy to solve these problems. Like you really aligned yourself to those UN um, sustainability sustainability development goals 2030 and beyond um, and to your point there's so much choice within that meaning I can really align my values um, to to what I want to help fix it's not just about sort of um, responses to climate change as you say it's um, equality for women it's ending poverty ending hum- hunger you know there's so many things I can align my actual interests to because I think Again, coming back to that donation point, a lot of people don't even get started because they just question where the money's going to. And I think with something like an app, which is being, you know, fed with so much data real time and you feel like you're part of something, um, it's really sort of hard to argue with those numbers. You're seeing immediate results or you're seeing exactly how you play a part in that, which um, I think is is really, really smart. And I think on that point, you know, of gamification, you know, why did you go down, you know, that route? I think I've read you talk about some of these other sort of um, viral challenges um, or even movements before Um, what is it about them that sort of got your attention thinking that that could have a part to play in what you were trying to solve?
0: Yeah challenges were the first part and the, the problem was you know not knowing people sometimes not knowing what to do or where to start and then change being hard so we looked at challenges whether they were already challenges that were for impact like an ice bucket challenge or whether they were like TikTok challenges where just, you know, 25 million people did a mannequin challenge or whether they were movements like Black Lives Matter. And they were, where, where you know, you, you, you get an action kind of you stuck a black square on your Instagram account or whatever. But, um but either way there were, it was a vehicle that did consistently get tens of millions of people to participate in something more so than like, a program approach where you're the only one, you've got to be self-motivated enough to just make change for yourself. Joining something that is a part of something, that is a movement that you can see the collective impact of, that that seemed like a much stronger gateway and had more consistent participation. But then the real gamification for, for Good Empire is we looked at it and we went what we really need is like a global impact loyalty program. Like we need something that every human and organisation on the planet, there's visibility into the impact they're having and you can get that social proofing and that social pressure and in a way create something a bit like the Chinese social credit app, which is a bit terrifying in, in, in some aspects, but also really effective and also like really equitable in other aspects, you know? So if we could align, if we can have a really transparent and universally agreed upon set of goals like the UN sustainable development goals and, you know, people are critics of a lot of things but you can't argue that we it'd be good to end hunger or it'd be good to reduce carbon emissions right so so if we could create a system of that sort of like impact rating for everybody and every organization and make it visible then you start to get that social pressure you know and that's what I think is required to move the middle to move the masses to move the people that are not quite motivated enough to do it like off their own back but Certainly don't want to be seen not doing it. And that's what we saw in something like Black Lives Matter, right? You got mass traction because it wasn't just about how passionate you were about, you know, anti-racism or about, you know, um, ending, you know, the inequities of black incarceration. You, You were like, well, I don't actively disagree with this. And God, everyone's doing it. I better do it. Otherwise, people, my friends will think I'm not you know, uh, that I disagree. Yeah. So that's really powerful to move the middle. And we didn't want to just create an echo chamber of the people that were already doing stuff and like steal them from another platform and have them do our stuff. It's not what we wanted. We wanted to, and same as we didn't want to create a new strategy, didn't want to bring any founder ego, <laughs> which, you know, we all have into this we Wanted to just find an area that wasn't being, um, you know, where were we not empowered and how could we empower people? An organisation.
1: Yeah. And I think on that note, you know, you really sort of, I think, dug into the behavioural science of things. I think you work with some of the world's leading, you know, behavioural science agencies um, to design something that ultimately yeah. has to motivate what I think your goal is of 100 million people to take action. You know, outside of those social pressure points that we've just um, touched on, was there anything else that kind of came up through that that you learned about, you know, people's behaviour that's really going to end up um, – motivating them and how did you bring that experience uh into the app for what you built
0: yeah it was amazing we actually ended up partnering with um uh, an organization called the octalysis group and they done like gamification work with like ideo and tesla and you know lego and amazon and and all sorts And, and you know they have a model which is a really balanced sort of model of human core drive. So most people think gamification, you think, oh, we'll stick some points and some badges and some leaderboards and, you know, and a timer. And those things work, but they're kind of black hat motivators. So they're fear of missing out, One, you know, um, points are sort of progress and achievement, but there are so many other core drives like epic calling and meaning and creativity and um, curiosity and social influence. And, you know, so basically... And some are intrinsic, so, you know, and some are extrinsic. So extrinsic motivators, you need a score attached to it. You need a sense of progress to be fed back to you or something. Intrinsic, the, the very act of it is a motivator in itself, like creativity. Um, and these things, these core drives are present in various balances in every app, in every product that, that, that we use, right? If you analyze them based on this model, which was really cool to learn. But the trick, I think, with, with driving... Is to understand the behaviors and the and the drivers of the the people that you you want to engage, you know, and that's quite varying. But for us, it was like, all right, so they're going to be relatively digital savvy and probably social savvy, and they're going to be relatively caring about people and planet. And then we're going to have some, you know, hippie boomers who are like been out this for like forty years, and finally the kids are listening, and and you know, so we sort of looked at the the player types, if you like, or the user types, and we. And we looked at the core drives they would have. And then we had to design a balanced experience around that. And, and that's a whole lot of different sort of devices. But we basically, instead of doing a traditional function-based UX map, you know, of scoping and, and design for the app, we actually did it through this model. And it was really driven around, you know, what, uh, what behaviors do we want to motivate? And what do we want people to do? You know, like... Which is similar but different, and so from a function, you know, um, map sort of approach, and it was it was phenomenal. We were lucky enough to work with some people that have been doing this for years and years with the, some of the greatest challenges, not just brands, but like you know, driving political anti-political campaigns—and and sort of they had so much experience. So, so it was really wonderful. We built the system and built the what is effectively a three-year pipeline of you know functionality, but based around based around that um idea of balanced core drives so so cool to be able to do
1: yeah i can imagine you've only just touched on the the surface of of all of that behavioral uh, science that you you got to be exposed to and learn something else I want to talk about with you is um you know Good Empire not only sort of empowers individuals like me and our listeners but you actually launched a pilot to work with organizations as well and I think you started off or you've started off with about 100 and I think this is a really interesting part because um from what we've seen and some of the guests that we've had on the show, we've had by complete coincidence, because this show is all about, you know, brands that are winning um, through customer experience, whether that's making it really easy and empowered you know, to take action um, or if it's, you know, providing sort of delightful experiences. But, just by coincidence, as we've been looking for brands that are winning on their experience, we've ended up having a lot of purpose-led brands and NFPs on the show. So from Modibody to Humanitix, who gives a crap? You know, these these brands are really demonstrating that they can win over their less purpose-driven competitors. And I think for many enterprises who aren't inherently, you know, purpose-led in, in the product or the service that they're providing, they really are you know, struggling to understand how they can act and get involved in either environmental or humanitarian movements in a way that is authentic and comes across as authentic to their audience. You know, I think you touched on this earlier, many just kind of jump on that bandwagon of a social movement and do the old, you know, social post on their Instagram account to say, oh, we're a part of this. This is, this is how we can show we're involved and we care. And that isn't to say that that isn't uh, a meaningless action, but I think today's customer actually expects an awful lot more and when we get into it, you know, there's, some, there's a lot of compelling stats to, uh, to support it. I think a Deloitte report found that 90% of consumers will switch to brands to support a good course and actually boycott a brand due to irresponsible business practices, yeah. um, which is huge. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. You know, can you tell us more about how you're working with these organizations to help them realize and most importantly, act on this trend? And I guess this preference that today's consumer ultimately has and that's starting to put, you know, pressure on organizations.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important. And it starts with the culture from within. And we, we spoke with a lot of organizations right at the beginning. We said, What are your pain points? Like, do you, you know, where are you at with, with, in terms of impact and, you know, corporate social responsibility and, and what's working and what's not? And universally, there was some of the problems that came up consistently were, you know, that, that look, we do a lot of stuff, but it's very top down. You know, we've actually donated a lot of money, but it, and it lives in an annual report. But that's it, and we've got a corporate responsibility index, and that's a box-ticking exercise. But you know, the team's not engaged, or and we can't engage our customers because we get greenwashing backlash. And it's because it is top down, and it's just you know, even if it's the, the strategic intent of it is genuine, you know, and and there are a lot of organisations really shifting to this being at their core like really starting to look at the balance of their purpose in, in for being in the world and really going well we have to think about our impact on the planet and our impact to community alongside you know whatever whatever our functionality is whatever whatever cool sort of use we are to the public so um so that that's genuine but yeah not being able to engage the team like our, our employees properly in it not being able to engage our customers in it and not being able to measure with like in in real time, with just actual tangible measures of the impact we're having beyond the money that we're raising or whatever, and 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 also there was a sense of so most of the most of the stuff that happens now and all the software it's geared toward like you know tracking volunteer hours and you know tracking corporate gifting and again it's sort of it's good to do but it's not really con- committing to like. To having impact and seeing a project through and seeing change made, it's nice. You go and you, you know you do a day in a soup kitchen or you, you know, you contribute your coding skills to like a brochure site to a to a charity. It's not fulfilling. You don't feel like you're having impact. So it's like a it's like you do something and it's ticked a box and yeah, it's it's important that you've done something. It's better than not. But so again, we wanted for organisations to be able to, you know, to be able to create a platform where they could you know, build it out strategically, literally go, right, what impact do we want to have in the world? Cool, what's the quantum of that impact? Um, build out a program of challenges that engage not only our teams and be able to track our individuals, you know, and and, and as team collectives, um, track their impact like we track engagement, like we track performance, right? Properly build it into what we do. And also on an open platform as organizations set our impact goals, but also be able to invite our customers And in in fact, you know, community to to take part in these challenges with us, every brand sort of, you know, dreams of having a community and talks like they've got community, but most of them have a database. Well, impact, guess what? That's a way you can actually feel like you're doing something together and actually be a community, you know? And and we saw it in movements like Not Business As Usual alongside the Climate Strike marches. You know, people felt connected with those brands and those teams because you were side by side together. And that's what impact can have. Suddenly you've got potential consumers or consumers or customers, you know, to, you know, taking action in challenges that are aligned with something they care about, gender equality, for instance. And then they can see the organizations that are also doing stuff in gender equality and go, wow, I want to start to buy from or, or you know, use as a service. These brands are aligned to the stuff I'm aligned with. And I think we've got the potential to create this ecosystem, which is not going to be exclusive. You know, it's going to be inclusive. This ecosystem where people can sort of choose the products and services that they can see the impact they're having in the areas that they too want to have impact in and care about. And I think that's really powerful. And that's what people want. I agree that stat. And like, look, I think think the, the stats, I think people are slower to switch from a convenient brand, but I think they're quick to boycott a brand that they see as being bad for the world. And I think we're seeing that more and more um, with some of the more obviously destructive or, you know, unsustainable offerings in the world. But I think people need to get, you know, we're not good at voting with our values. You know, we we, we say we care and then we keep voting you know, fuck knuckles in because we want to save 140 bucks on our income tax. And that happens globally, right? And, and we're not good at actually switching to a slightly less convenient thing that we know will have the impact. We have to, we have to, because that's such a power we have. But yeah, we want to help cast light on that. And yes, help drive behavior change through the platform, which, which will happen, but also, you know, help, help amplify and direct that demand pressure
1: yeah and where do you think we, you know where are we quite in that journey you know are, are enough organizations feeling that pressure and is it coming completely from customers' preference for the brands they're shopping with to be having a better impact? Um, I would imagine some of it's coming from the workforce who want to work for companies that are having a better impact you know how strong is that pressure have we still got a bit of a way to go? you know where are we on that journey from from where you're sitting?
0: Do you know what I reckon five years ago, brands were terrified of taking a stance on a social issue like marriage equality Mm -hmm. or, or anything, you know, there was a real sense of both in consumers and in companies that we don't have a right to, it's not our business to pick a side or, you know, in this. And I reckon in within two years after that, we saw very few brands didn't take a stance and, and that was such a shift. And, and then three years ago, the first there was like front page was taken out in um you know in the Wall Street Journal and in the New York Times for not business as usual. And the first like executives and CEOs of major organizations were, were starting to go on record saying we have to change. And um and what's happened in the last three years since then is phenomenal. I think we've seen such a, a wave build. And I think it's gone past the very early adopters or the fringe companies and I think and it's not just B Corps, although that's a phenomenal movement. Um, I think we're we're starting to see the beginnings of like the early majority, you know, and that is powerful and that's unstoppable actually. So probably the changes happening in organizations are the most encouraging to me. So we get to that next level of problems of, Oh, how do we better engage and better direct, you know, our people, you know, our employees and our customers. And so that's the next thing. That's what we wanted to solve, but I'm so encouraged by what I'm seeing in business. Look at the, we're starting to see that real Pressure. Far, far more progress in business, I think, than in government. Yeah, 100%. I'd have to agree with yeah.
1: you there. Yeah. Um, and what has the response been with some of those organizations that you started to work with? Do
0: you know what? Amazing. And, and I don't know about your experience in startups or, or if you're listening, um, what your experience is. But mine is like, usually if you've got an okay product for an, you know, with an okay market fit and at the okay, an okay time, it's all quite hard work, right? You get there because you've got drive and you're creative and you market well and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going and you get traction and you grow. But then every now and then when something feels like it's exactly the right thing for exactly the right people at exactly the right time, there's just this heady slipstream like everybody grabs it and moves it. And that's when you see that exponential growth because – and you're not pushing for that. Like it's like you do one thing and you get 20 things back. That's what we've started to experience, which is amazing after a couple of years of not experiencing that. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so what's happening we, – we, you know, let's say we, we do a pretty clumsily worded like Facebook ad, not even for organizations, just for like a crowd fund or something. Suddenly we're getting like, you know, big organizations like um, – you know, Accenture and Officeworks and, you know, ANZ Bank and stuff reaching out going, I saw an ad, tell us more about this thing because these are the problems we're having. So we're like, wow, thank you. And not everyone's able to sign up straight away. So the pilot, we've got um, a bunch of great companies starting to do that and schools and and nonprofits as well. Um, so we can learn stuff and, and do a few trial challenges before the full platform's ready. But really encouraging is the, the amount of companies approaching us when we don't even have a right to, for them to have reached out based on, you know, how how sort of clumsy and like untargeted and unsophisticated our messaging was for that specifically. And to have them come out and go, tell us more about this, what state is that we want to do it, is exactly what we need. So that's been amazing. So now we're just, yeah, we're in this learning environment, you know, which is just how can we help you engage? How can we help you measure? What do you need to see? How can we um, make it more efficient to sort of like, you know, have a creative process around challenges. And it'd be cool as well. Actually, the challenges we came up with initially in our own testing, we've got 10,000 pre-registered users and literally launching tomorrow, um, you know, from the date of – I know it's so exciting. We just got approved in the App Store. So I'm sort of on a bit of a high and we're scrambling, Matt. We just solve <laughs> everything now, all the comms. But, um, yeah, so, so we've done our own – sort of 10 challenges as part of this alpha sort of test phase and they're okay, you know, but working with organizations when and, and that we thought would be a bit lamer creatively, it's been like phenomenal. Cause you've got boundaries and you know, when you've got boundaries and, and um, guideline, like, you know, parameters around creativity, then you kind of get more creative within those boundaries. So that's what's happening. So it's been, so we're actually more excited about the challenges that we're doing with the pilot organizations and their teams than yeah. we are about the, the public ones, which is kind of weird and we'll need yeah. to fix that. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been <laughs> a really nice process. And, you know, most of the, so some of the companies, you know, really, really there already in, in, in impact and it's shaped their offerings. And others are using this as like, look, we've wanted to get started. This is the kick up the butt we've needed. We don't know what we want to stand for yet, but, you know, we, we want to ask the team what they care about. And we want to start to build our, and I think that's great. I think that's great that you start with the people that have chosen to work with you and give their lives to build what you're building. Yeah, ask them what they care about, you know? Build it around that if you don't know. If you don't already stand for, you know, some impact goals as an organization. It's been really cool.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's uh, an awesome thing about it is you're removing that pressure for them to choose what they stand for, and actually it's up to the teams that engage with the app and decide you know what mission they're going to rally around, um, which you know just has so many obvious knock on benefits like culture, uh, a morale aligning up with employee interests, which we know increasingly, especially with millennials, is, is around topics like these. So it's just kind of um, almost self fulfilling spiraling kind of motion you've got going. And I think on that note, you know, you, you know, clearly sort of word of mouth, but I think you refer to it as the ripple effect as a key strategy to growing the app. And it seems to be working to your point around brands that have, you know, no reason to necessarily be reaching out to you, are reaching out to you. Can you tell us more about how you, how you think about that in the different, you know, parts of the, the strategy, this kind of viral effect, sort of word of mouth, but, you know, intensified version of what we know word of mouth to be today?
0: Yeah, it's actually the, core one of the core functionalities that we're building into the app actually is called the Ripple. And look, I think if we just quietly go about our own impact, then we have very little impact. And it's important, but you know, we can donate a lot of money. Most of us, you know, don't have billions to donate. But like you know, the impact that we can have as individuals, if we're only looking at the impact that we've had directly, is pretty small. And so that can be discouraging in terms of that fear that what difference can I really make? You know, whereas if we turn that, if we then share that impact that we create, you know, and literally film it and post it and challenge our friends to join us, like the kind of viral behavior you see in a lot of challenges, like the Ice Bucket Challenge, you know. And if we can then see not only that 10,000 of us or 10 million of us did the challenge, and so we can see that. But we can see, you know, oh, wow, so I I did that, and I, I turned myself into an inspirer or an influencer. I didn't just quietly do it myself. Um, then I can see that someone – You know, one of my friends clicked on that and they joined the challenge and then they posted it. And then someone that I don't even know, but it's a friend of theirs joined and challenged. And we can see these degrees of separation and track. And so suddenly we're looking at it and we've got this like visualization of the ripple. We track it in the app and you can see it and you can see suddenly you wake up one day and you go, wow, there's someone in Germany or someone in like Japan. And they've done this challenge off the back of through six degrees of separation or whatever, off the back of me doing it and sharing it. And suddenly I can see that I've inspired you know, 15,000 or 900 or whatever, you know, actions around this. And wow, that's powerful. Not only do I feel like I can really make a difference then, and I I realize the importance it is to actually share the impact we're having and, and create that ripple. But I feel connected with these other humans who are aligned based on, you know, what we care about in the world and our willingness to do something to have some impact there, rather than, you know, the government that we live under, the regime or the religion or all the shit that we naturally gather around now. I, this, I, one of the visions that we had was this nation without borders, you know, aligned around what we care about, not around where we were born or, you know, the school we went to or the religion we were born into, or all those things, actually because we care and we've decided to stand up and put our hand up and take action together. I think that's really empowering to realize that, wow, yeah. we can actually, there are enough of us and look at us, you know, that was, that's really important. Yeah. So that's the idea behind the virality of it, you know, um, yeah. that we actually built in a function to be able to track that. Because imagine if that had existed in something like Black Lives Matter or the marriage equality, you know, movement or the Me Too movement. Imagine the solidarity and the unity you would feel from feeling connected through the people clicking on your thing and going, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this. I agree, I'm going to do this too and I'm going to share it. I think that's really powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, you kind of answered my next question, which was going to be, you know, well, when's it available in the app store? Because huh? I think, yeah. uh, I think last Thursday, I think I was what remember, nine thousand six hundred fourteen, uh, and I think you're aiming for ten thousand yeah. as well. And uh, but you're going live very soon, um, and as you said tomorrow, which is extremely exciting. Um, yeah. What are you going to be monitoring or looking at in that first sort of release? You know, what are you going to be looking at on a daily basis what are you looking for look any signs metrics yeah
0: we've got about 50 questions we need answered right through this mm-hmm. through the app altogether in this test phase it's just about all right are these kinds of challenges engaging for people do they want to do them you know um and what 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 are they more drawn to what do people care about and how do we present that then you know what what um which uh Impact partners, you know, appeal to people, and and is that different to the actions that they take? Because it's like a challenge is funny, right? So, you know, Movember, who've raised over a billion dollars now for mental health, they were successful because back then, not many people, you know, walked around with moustaches, and secretly every person wanted, every male wanted to, for just a little bit. But they needed an excuse, and same with Dry July or Feb Fast. You know, I need to lose some weight, or I need to stop drinking, but it feels like quite a big thing if I tell people that. But suddenly I'm doing Dry July. Oh, it's easy. It's good for my health and I'm part of something. You know what I mean? We secretly want to do the thing. And it's fun. I want to shave my head. You know, I've always wanted to, but I don't want to be a dick and say I just shaved my head. But if it's for a good cause, then cool, let's do it. So there's that element. And then there's the impact that it can have. And those two things together. So we need to learn what does that. We need to learn what um, how connected are people willing to be If they're part of a a community, a group of people that have come together on something, will they take the next step and see that project through? How creative will they get with their challenges with filming them? Like, how much do they want to be guided with told what to do versus how much do we just keep it really broad and see what people come up with? How Mm -hmm. what will motivate people to support other people in the platform and their and their you know their impact they're having and the content they're having? You know, we didn't want to create a vanity. Um, driven or a populist driven platform we looked at all of the because essentially it's a social media platform but we're not trying to be a social media platform but it emulates a lot of the characteristics right and one of those is what you choose that someone can do to support other people's content can either create a popularist you know vanity narcissistic sort of environment like like instagram is largely um which which has its own issues right Um, you know because suddenly if you're not that then what are you and and insecurities and all the shit that comes from stuff like that Um, simply because they chose to have something as free to give as a like and to count it so suddenly that's what counts whereas you know so how do you do that while still preserving a way for someone to support someone else's you know impact that they're having and their actions and their content they're creating without it turning into a populist thing and that's so we've had a lot of things to solve that we want to see do they work mm. you know how how will having a level system and people leveling up and unlocking abilities and rewards you know in this sort of like impact loyalty program this global thing how motivating will that be you know and and how motivated will people be by impact points versus the 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 cause and how arts oh, there's a million things we need to find out but first we just want to see all right, well, the people that put their hand up and said, yeah, I care about this. Will they join a challenge? Will they take action? Will they film it? Will they share it? What will they create? Um, will they have impact repeatedly? You know, one of the things we're questioning is like, you know, is investing in the concept of micro donations attached to actions versus a, a charity trying to fleece you for every cent they can at a supermarket because that's the only time they've got your attention. So what if you can have the the time and the space to create to be a bit more strategic about it you know will a dollar in 300 things over the year be better than five dollars in 60 things or you know a hundred dollars in three things these are the sort of the questions that we we need well we want to answer um soon and also before we want to try and raise a series a because we'll need to show that traction
1: (laughs) (laughs) for sure uh it's it's um, you made me think of something there, which is you're almost crowdsourcing some solutions to these problems in that way where you're saying, let's let people get creative. And how how much do we dictate, you know, what the person does in the app versus, you know, giving them the freedom to go and interpret what they can do and actually help that, you know, spread. Um, there's a real sort of like crowdsourcing element to all of this in that in that way where y- you are hoping and relying on people to get creative and come up with Potentially new movements or new things yeah. that, that, that go viral and engage their community. And I think, again, it comes back to this ripple effect, which is obviously, you know, very prevalent throughout the whole strategy and, and platform that you've actually uh, built.
0: And look, it is just a platform. Like we... There are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who already care and are championing whatever they care about—gender equality or climate yeah. change. Um, we need to be useful for them. They need to be able to use us to better reach and engage the people that already listen to them, or to reach new people that mm. want to listen to them. We, our success is going to be entirely dependent on our ability to create roles and responsibilities and, and accountability, but also status in these people that are actually the ones that are going to drive the movements. And all of us are really just in service of the organizations that are having the impact and so we're really aware that that of creating this framework of community and roles within community that are nothing to do with us you know what i mean we're just again we're just some more roles in that community but um that's really important and that's quite nice because it's kind of egoless you know it's kind of like well, and we realized this really soon along the journey i gotta say we hit a point where we started to see the traction and we started to see how much people wanted this to be in the world and wanted to support it and were willing to support it. And that's from like our 1700 investors to, you know, some of whom are like really, really, you know, impactful investors who've just done a little bit. But anyway, as soon as we sort of started to see that we we had a shift to to this feeling like our contribution to the world, to us just being, you know, in service of this thing that was much more important, had a life of its own. And if we weren't up for it, then we need to get out of the way and let someone else do it. It was a really interesting cultural shift for us. We really felt like, I guess, a responsibility. And we let go of the sense that we were building this and we felt like it had already decided that it had it was to be built. And we were just yeah. lucky enough to have our hands on it at the moment, but we couldn't keep our hands on it. And it couldn't be limited to, our, to what we could or couldn't do. So we feel like we're just kind of like, hanging on, scrambling after it, trying to, you know, move it along, but it's not going to wait for us. So it's a really interesting feeling to have as a startup team.
1: Yeah. I think to your point on removing, you know, founder ego and, you know, I say this in two ways, you know, at the end of the day, it is just a platform, um, in the way that, you know, the internet itself was just a platform. It was all the small businesses that made things leveraging the internet that actually sort of made money from it and, you know, really leveraged it, um, also say, you know, recognizing what you've actually done deserves tons and tons of credit. Um, but it is, to your point, it is a platform and it's more about what the people are going to do with it yeah. at the end of the day more than anything. Um yeah, really interesting kind of concept and way to think about it. It might, you know, look like early days to many, um, given that the it's only about to go live. But I'm sure it doesn't feel like early days for you, given the cracker of a journey you've had so far. Uh, you know, up up until this point, you've already had some amazing milestones. You know, you launched what has become, I think, the biggest pre-product crowdfund uh, in Australia's history, uh, raising about 1.6 million um, from 1,700 investors. What has, you know, just to close us out, what was that journey like? Is there anything along that way that really surprised you?
0: It was amazing. It was such an exposed and public and timed and sort of gamified in of itself way to raise capital. And you really, it can really make or break you. Like if you have a failed crowdfund, it's pretty devastating because, you know, you've put it out in the world. But it's a really, like we've got 1,700, you know, pre registered users who've invested somewhere between $250 and, 50 grand, um, that's a really powerful thing to have. Like, you know, that's, that's, um, as a non listed company, you know, that's people that have said, I, I want, I, I want to do this. I want to use it and I want to own it. And I want to, I want it to be part of it. And I want to have it in the world. So that was awesome. We did that with Birchell, and that were great. Um, and it was good for the team. I think it's one of those, it it bonds you around it. You've got a ticker, you're looking at it and like, it's not like a revenue counter. It's actually going, wow, these are people investing in this thing that at the moment is just a concept and there's and a bunch of words and some pictures that we've mocked up, you know, at the time. So that was really, yeah. that was really amazing uh, experience. And I think it's just going to, I think it Equity crowdfunding is just going to keep growing, 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 and I think we're going to see bigger and bigger, bigger companies. You know, within the, there's the limitations as to the scale of the company, but take it on, not just you know, as as a preference to like you know, Zero Co. Great company. If you haven't interviewed them, um, Mike Smith, their founder, already. should, he's amazing. And they're doing amazing things as well, and they they um, you know they they didn't need to raise the money that way. There's plenty of people who want to invest in what they're doing, but they wanted three thousand or so invested customers they really you know they it's part it becomes like i'd like i believe it should be almost like everything you buy in the world you can just buy the thing you know buy the cup or you know put an extra 100 bucks in and own shares i think it's a phenomenal way to have stakeholder ownership Mm. in the things that you want to do and care about in in the world And there's you know there's complications, but I think we're going to see it more and more.
1: Um, I you know we've been chatting for a while now, so I think I will just ask you one last question. And appreciate the broadness of this. um, But we have you know a lot of entrepreneurs who who definitely listen to the show, um, and probably you know um, really admire what you've done. Um, Any advice for entrepreneurs um, getting started who or who might be on the cusp of something um, you know pretty big? Just very broadly, is there any advice you could give?
0: Yeah, look aligned with I guess my you know, existential crisis that drove me here. Um, (laughs) Life is short. Do something you really care about. You know, there's too much talk of looking for an opportunity in the market, a gap, and you can capitalize on that. It's not very fulfilling. And yes, you may get successful because you're smart, but it's, you know, is that, I think we're all questioning what is life for? Why? Why do I want to choose the things I want to do? Don't you think we all have a responsibility to actually start to do things that are good? for the world and you know we can still get very successful doing those things because everybody wants that now you know people want to work for those companies yeah. people want to buy from those companies we're seeing that so it doesn't need to be a compromise you don't need, don't need to start a charity you know what i mean in fact a charity is a terrible model to have impact and scale at scale you know what i mean but but yeah you know uh, like capitalism with transparency and a guided goal that's good for the planet and good for people is a phenomenal model you can build anything that's good for the world so think about that let yourself you know be that because it's really amazing to you know it's the entrepreneur's journey or the startup founder's journey it's like exhausting and it is up and down and it is unrelenting and it's depleting and you know, if you've got something that keeps topping you up, like I think this is really important that this is in the world and occasionally people will also say to you, I think this is really important that this is in the world. How can I help you? That's invaluable. And get a good team around you. It's, it's a cliche. It's harder than it sounds to do that. But like I have a phenomenal team that stuck through, you know, being on JobKeeper alone including myself in 2020, you know, when COVID hit and we lost all of our revenue models and then came through the other side, you know, when we did come up with the idea that now is, is looking like a great thing in the world and just smart people also aligned. It makes such a difference. It just is a joy. And they, as a founder, they lift you more than you lift them, to be honest, if you get the right people. And um, yeah, so thanks to my team who've been working so hard, but that's my advice as well. That's, <laughs> It really is everything, and I don't think I paid enough attention to it. You always sort of say, Yeah, of course, of course, but um when you really when you really have good people, it's game changing.
1: yeah, and I think the interesting thing with that we've seen this with some of those other brands I mentioned earlier, like Humanities and Mody Like you said, it always was – it felt like it was a compromise to actually start something that was, you know, purpose-led or doing the right thing. You know, you wouldn't get the talent, for example. Um, You know, charities don't often get the talent. But I think given the trend, giving, you know, I think I was talking about this earlier to someone else, the great resignation um, that we're seeing, particularly in America, and then start to spread in other countries, it's a lot of people having – uh, one of those crises, <laughs> those crises, totally and are wondering what they're doing, what impact they're having, and so um, I think the tables have turned, and actually, you know, we're going to see a lot of talent go to companies who are doing wonderful things and aligned to people's values. So, as you said, it's not really a compromise uh, anymore, and uh, and above all, customers are looking for it and expecting it, are willing to pay for it, um, and leave brands that aren't doing it. So, yeah, um, I think. I think it's a great point. I think it's a great way to uh, wrap up the episode. So um, taking loads of your time, really appreciate the conversation, uh, really insightful and uh, most of all, good luck for tomorrow with the launch. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Andre. Thank you, Kat. Thanks for tuning in to HubSpot's Unconventional Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'd love you to subscribe and tell your friends, coworkers. you know what, tell whoever. Before we go, a shout out to our mates over at Audio Technica for bringing us today's epic sound quality. Whether you're after an awesome pair of headphones to listen to your favourite podcast on or a mic to start your own, Audio Technica has you covered. Head to audio-technica.com.au to check them out.